I think of Gideon when I, when I think about this. Let me read you the story of Gideon found in the book of Judges, chapter 6. Let me give you a climax or a perspective of the story. All the enemies of Israel is coming against them. They actually walking in their barns and taking their stuff and say, shut your mouth. This is mine. Can you imagine being prosecuted and oppressed? That when you plant, before it even spread out, somebody else that never planted it, take it from you. So the angel of the Lord is sent by God to speak to this man. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Forgive me if I pronounce the old school or the Old Testament really tough sometimes. Gideon, he said, son of Joash, was threshing, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Now, I want you to let this know. Two different crops. He's threshing out wheat where wine should be. He's trying to disguise, he's trying to hide a little bit of roast beef <laughs> or turtle meat, you know, from the enemy. Let me just switch it up. If, they, if I go there, they might think I have things. So let me go in the other place and just switch up the game. He went to the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero. Some verses says, Mighty man of valor. That doesn't sound too mighty. You are running from the enemy. You're hiding for him to get from you, things from you. And the Lord says to you, Max, Mighty man of valor. You... Mighty hero of the Lord, the Lord is with you. Some translation might say mighty man of valor. But Gideon wasn't acting mighty or believing who he was at all. He was hiding wheat in a wine press so that the enemies of Israel wouldn't set his foot. Now, if you read Judges chapter 6, if you continue, he begins to explain all the reasons why he now mighty man. I'm from the smallest this, my family is this, my this is that. My, he was limited himself by his experience and his ethnicity, his family, his biological. And how many of us do that? Because we're not from the right family, from the right place, from the right country, from the right place. God don't care. God is a global God, a universal God. He everywhere. Can't run from him. And so they begin to speak about that. So who you are and who you have become are two different mindsets or beliefs. You might be experiencing this, but you're not that. And you need to get a reality of who you are. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High. Number two, I said this earlier, we get saved by believing in Jesus. They just got saved. Believing in Jesus. What They're going to get their inheritance and something was, you know, going to glory right now. That's it, right? We get saved by believing in Jesus and we get free by believing like Jesus. We get saved by believing in Jesus, but we get saved by, we get free by believing like Jesus. Jesus Christ didn't believe like the religious people. He went with an assurance that he is who he say he is. In fact, he would say these things, he would make a public declaration every time he go and ministry. The spirit of the Lord is in that church. No, it is upon me. I come to bring some good news. Who oppress here in spirit? Boom, you're going to be free. Who blind here, you're going to see. But here's the thing, right? When he went to his own town, he said he could only lay his hands on a few. Now let me ask you a question. Is it that God was limited to heal? I don't think so. I don't think so. What it is though, we set God's limitation of participation in our own life. In fact, the Bible says that, you know, sometimes um, 
we made the word of God or the word of God to no effect by our wrong believing, by our disbelief. And so here's Jesus running up to Nazareth. I can just see that he's excited. Going back to Mary's tree, boy. Yeah. So bring that glory that I had a rock hole the other night. Bring it to Mary's tree. But you're not Jonathan's son. You're not Joseph's son. You know, went to Georgetown Primary School with me. You're not used to work at Baba Shoe Shop, Shoe Store, or whatever that place name. You know, used to work Bank of America. Remember Bank of America? He used to work there with me. Yeah, that, that Felix. They begin to put him down in their thinking. But the few that is in their midst that believed in him and who he was, they got healed. And so I'm trying to tell you that, listen, it's not that God is far from you. He said, draw near to me, and I draw near to you. But we draw near to him by faith. And so we get saved by believing in Jesus. We get free by believing like him. So in John 8, verse 31 to 32, it says, Jesus said to these people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings. And it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're my disciples. Remain in my teaching. In John 15 it says, I am the, the vine and you are the branch and you're going to bear fruit if you stay connected to me. And he says, when I discipline you, and discipline is not sickness, discipline God, discipline us by his word, by his rhema word in our spirit, and by his word, through the word of God, and through people, he'll give us warnings. Think about all the big mistakes and boo-boos you made in your life. God always sends somebody. Yo, um, rain check Felix, just throw down and that. No, no, no. Mm -mm. I go in, they didn't get a piece of my, mm -mm, you know? And I jump over all this stuff, and God was cautioning me, relax, pray about it, wait till next week. But I took matters in my own hand, and guess what? There's consequences and repercussions, right? But a lot of times, God speaks to us in a quiet place, like, let that go, bro. Or next time, and then you did something wrong and it's not about sin or anything. Just next time, just deal with that person a little bit gracious. You never know if they had a bad day. Don't get offended. So quit feeling when he's offended. I love you. All right, Jesus, you love me. Don't worry about it. Okay, give him a tip. Whatever happened to you? You go into a place expecting great service and it doesn't happen? Are you expecting a positive feedback and it doesn't happen? And then you just, no, God disciplines us by his word. I don't really beat my kids or anything. I can't tell the last time, in fact, my kids. The other day he would get mad, Nikolai would get mad months ago or a year ago, and, and um, so they are like, Nikolai, when the last time daddy beat you? Hush! <laughs> yeah, like he would like, <laughs> they get all like, you know, you know? And Nikolai, so they had to speak truth to him, when the last time daddy beat you? <laughs> I mean, it was like a revelation, you know? He like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> He just transformed into like, okay, I don't even correct me, he might not beat me. And so what, what, what do I do as a, as a parent though? I give them responsibility, and I give them expectation. I say, hey, daddy, go in church. When I come back, start homework. Or, daddy, you read it, this is what they call Dorothy. Daddy, daddy, you read it, told you to clean up your room. I don't see the room clean, do that. Now, when they disregard my word, then I have to correct them. And that's spanking. It's like, you know what, you know what? I want you to respect my voice. I want you to honor my voice because when you respect that positive authority in your life, you get to respect when God says things to your life. As if we see as God sees, we'll do as God says. A lot of times we don't get that helicopter view that God has in them. We be forced right in things and it tastes bad in our mouth after we flick it from the tree. Like, God is way there when we do this. But if you saw what he saw, 
Who's there? All right, I put a bit of and I don't trust you. And so we get saved by believing in Jesus. We get free by believing like him. The same faith we, we took to trust in the finished work of Christ to save us is the same faith we must apply to appropriate his truth in our identity and our inheritance as saints of God. You were a sinner. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. It's like how you drive your car, some of you got manual, Lucas got manual, no else got manual in here, but the automatic car, you just put it in drive, boom. You are in a preposition in your mind, automatically want to please God. You're a saint that has the ability to sin. You're not a sinner. You're not a sinner. Adam sinned, and he never had a sin nature. We're born again. We're brought back to the glory that we were fallen from through Jesus Christ. We are positioned to please God. And I got to think as a pastor or a spiritual leader over you that you want to intently please God. And when you're not operating in that, I'm going to come as a big brother and say, hey, I'm going to raise the standard because you don't know who you are. It's not that I'm mad with you. You know? Not because you lie. That'll make you a liar. Your sin doesn't define you. You are a prince. You are a king. You're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty man of valor. You're not a coward. You're not fearful. You have hope in you. You have life, resurrection, power. God, grace can rise you up above that circumstance. You don't have to bow to that limitation of sin. The bridge of grace is there to walk over. So that's some of the things. We are worse. We were sinners, but now we're saints. Holy and set apart, justified and made righteous. Justified means just if I didn't sin. Righteous means I'm in right standing with God. Holy means I'm set apart. That don't mean that we can run away from sinners or people that don't believe in us. Guys, come on, we're supposed to be a light. The church forget to be a light because we just put on light in here. We need to put light out there. When the world telling us, they just curse out our boss and just not. Let's just take that extra hour and a half. We come back and say, yo, 59 minutes and 58 seconds, I hear on my desk. Next customer, please. If we don't spread propaganda or gossip. We have a problem with someone. We say, hey, can I set up a meeting with you? And you know what? That light that we shine it makes them think twice that what is up with this dude? Where is this honor coming from? Where is this excellence coming from? And I pay him enough to do this and this. No, I am serving God as I serve you. Joseph served Pharaoh. Think about it. God gift in Joseph's life made room for him and made him the head of the prison and made him come out of prison and put him second in command in Egypt. In fact, when his daddy Jacob died, the Egyptians mourned more for the actual people of God, for Jacob, than the Israelites. You know, when the people got oppressed, the Bible says that a king arose, or a pharaoh arose, that did not know Joseph, or remember his good deeds. What if you were so light in front of people in darkness, that when you move or you change a job, the whole culture in that job just, what was, what? You know what happened? Brianna left. That's it. We got final Brianna. They actually called Brianna. Hey, Brianna, can you send somebody like you right away? I'm going to send Trisha. That's how we want to be. Because that's what God made us do, to be a light. But we cover ourselves. And I'm talking about you to print every single scripture on your desk now and say, Jesus loves. No. I'm not saying to that. I'm saying, make your deeds, your good deeds, Glorify the Father. Number three point. How do we know we are believing a lie? It might be a challenging thing at first, but some of the times we figure this out by the nature of the... Some of the times we figure this out, it might be challenging because the nature of deception 
is that you don't know you're deceived. Some of us believe in lies. We don't know believing. We, we do not know we're believing in lies because the nature of deception is that you're deceived. However, the minute you know you are deceived, you're no longer deceived. The minute you know that that's a lie, you're no longer deceived, and you could begin to get transformation and be healed. Here's another indicator that you might believe in a lie in your life. An indicator for lies may be areas of your life where there might not be hope. You might be a, a, there might be a low, like no hope. Oh, well, I'm not going to have a blessed relationship. Why? I'm not going to have a good job. Why? I'm not going to be healed. Why? I can't preach to people or share the gospel. Why? That's for Pastor Felix. Why? Who told you you can't share? What did God ask Adam? Who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. I didn't put limitation on you. You put limitation on yourself. I still want you to be who I called you to be. Who told you these lies? And so the area of hopelessness in your life, at the foundation of that hopelessness, there might be a lie that you're believing. Four. Well, let me read this verse. If you want increased hope, trust the God of hope. In Romans 15, verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that now faith is what? The substance of the, the substance of the hope for evidence thing not seen. Where there's no hope, there cannot be faith. You can't make impact in your world if there's no hope there. You want to reach the nation, do you have hope that this nation can be saved? You want to see more people healed? Do you have hope that God can use you, your little hands, to lay hands on the sick and they recover? These signs will follow those that believe, not those that are ordained. Not those that are pastors, those that believe, not those that went to boot camp intensive, Holy Spirit, it's hundreds and five dollars. Oh, that is good. I believe in being equipped. I'm doing this right now for myself. But I got to step out in faith and know that God can use little old me. Where there's no hope, follow the God of hope. Abounding in hope and encouragement. Point number four, we can't trust any conclusion in our lives that doesn't have hope attached to it. Can't trust it. In my own life, when I look back on my own life, I just believe so many lies. How in the world did I have hope? And the minute I start replacing those lies, the truth overrides. Oh, I could be married again, Lord. Thank you. I could be, I could be made set apart for you. I might not be at the church I was ministering, but I can be a minister, God. How does that look, God? God, I don't got to walk in shame because you forgave me, God. God, use me again, God. Okay, I'm going to face my enemies. Ah! Hey! Let me buy them breakfast, God. I'm not talking about Nikki, I love her. <laughs> But God will take you from strength to strength as you walk it out by faith. And the more I believe that God is with me, that He's in me, and that He's loved me, the more I believe in Him and less than mine. The Bible says some trust in chariots, some trust in prince, but we will put our hope in the Lord. Some trust in the people that they know and they're connected to. They love it. There's whole groups in the Cayman Islands about, do you know who I You know who I am? I'm just, you know who I am? I bank it. You know? This pride of the connection and the favor that they have. And then they, they got all their gadgets on. They said, that is cool. I am for that, guys. I'm for a good house, good job, wealth, and health, all that different stuff. But at the end of the day, you can't run to that when in trouble. We'll know who we worship when crisis come and who we turn to. 
when crisis and tribulation come, are we turning to God? Are we more concerned about protecting our money and our relationships and all the connections? Or are we just abandoning that and pursuing God? Say, God, yeah, there might be a financial crisis, but I'm never in crisis. There might be layoffs, but I'm never going to be laid off. Because God, I'm in your perfect will. You know where the safest place to be? Is at the front line of God's perfect will for your life. Not in the back. Not in the back. Because the enemy could kick you off one by one. Pew, 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 pew. In the back. Stand firm. Face the giants. Because God is calling you to do great things. Okay? I'm closing two minutes. Two more points. You guys loving it? And I record this. I'm going to preach it again. In the name of Jesus. Maybe not next week, but I'll send it to you by email. We can't trust any conclusion in our lives that doesn't have a hope attached to it. As believers, we are called to believe. That should actually be a, 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 a dead giveaway for us. We're believers and we're called believers for a reason. But there are actually people that are unbelieving believers. How do we know we're unbelieving believers? Anytime something comes, we don't believe in God. We trust the logic of God. Sometimes the humanistic approach actually takes over our thinking. What does the Bible say? Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's a lot of junk in our mind. Our pipes need to be clean. We're saved, but our mind needs a renewing. How do we renew the mind? We throw the garbage out and we renew it in new truth. In Acts 10, verse 36, it says, The word which God said to the children of Israel, preaching peace to Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Guess what happens, guys? I gotta believe that anytime I show up, God shows up. Not because I am God, but because God dwells in me. I gotta believe like what Nikki said. I told Nikki a couple days ago, I said, Nikki, if you have a devil theology, if you have a devil-focused theology, all you're going to see is what the devil is doing. Well, he's strong today. Yeah, my house. Is that important to the devil at your house? You know? But when you have a presence focus and God focus, God is so good. You guys know that? God is so good. You know what he did for me today? He renewed my mind on this truth. And you begin to do that, and all those little issues that you used to focus on begin to move. And you begin to call glory to glory, strength to strength. The Bible says that some of the religious leaders call Jesus Beelzebub. Are you doing this power in the prince of demons? He said, no, I'm not doing that. The Beelzebub actually means prince of flies. What are flies attracted to? Death. If I put meat in that fridge right now and plug it up, flies will find its way in there. Death. But I don't believe when we live in like hope, when we live in the perfect will of God, we actually attract heaven to partner with us i got to believe it. So when you begin to move from death and darkness and into the glorious light, your life begins to change immediately. Because now you become a vessel, an ambassador for God. You actually become an embassy that God's presence walk in and throughout. And you actually can release people. In fact, if you have hopeless situations in your life that God has brought reconciliation, provision, healing, and breakthrough, He calls you not to speak to another person that's oppressed, he said, God can free you too. Let me tell you what he did too. Yeah. Revelation chapter 19 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means if we release something, God can do it again. Step number five. It's difficult to influence what you don't hope for. I said that before. The person with the most hope has the greatest influence. I don't care that your boss is the CEO. 
honor them, respect them, but if they don't have no hope, you have greater influence than them in that organization. Mm-hmm. I don't care if your papa's an atheist, I don't care, I don't care all that stuff, but if you got Jesus in you and you can rise hope, you can start praying for your people and your family. Because if you lose hope, you're not going to believe anything is possible. But if you have hope, you believe everything is possible. Last point. The highest level of spiritual warfare is the decision to think higher. Let me repeat that. The highest level of spiritual warfare is the decision to think higher. It is a command to hold every thought captive. Yes, I believe in the demonic. I believe that there's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. I don't believe that there's a competition between light and darkness. If I cut off all these right now, light right now, one little lamp can illuminate this whole room. That's how powerful you are. But the biggest battle we would ever face is what between our ears. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not physical. Weapons of the flesh and the blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We destroy sophisticated arguments. You guys got Facebook? There's so much sophisticated arguments today and discussion with people and everybody. And it is put a little Jesus in it at the end so we can call it sanctification or holiness or come from God. Guys, destroy every argument. Destroy every sophisticated argument that exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That sets itself up against the truth and the knowledge of Christ. And we take every thought captive and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish every act of disobedience when your own disobedience of the church is complete. Put it this way, the only command in the scripture is to actually bring down strongholds. And all I think about is strongholds is the actual, you could close, um, actual castles. The reason why the castles were so big and in the middle of harbors and stuff is to protect the people if they had an attack. That's why they always had walls and different things like that. It's to protect. And so in some of our minds, our past experience and lives, we actually build fortresses. So it's not that we need to change partners, and not that we need to change jobs. We actually need to change our mind. And we begin to change our mind, and we move into that different mindset. We begin to see ways to make money prosper without stealing. Amen. Praise the Lord. We begin to see the truth of God that He gives seed to the soul. We also believe that God has called us to redeem people. We begin to see God redeem time. It's not that you need more sleep. Yes, you may need that for a day or two, but the reality is they get busy. What are you going to do when the day gets busy? You're going to stop. You're going to receive the peace of God. You're going to declare that God is going to give you wisdom to deal with circumstances and situations, and you're going to declare that I will sleep well. When you have challenges, area over depression, you're going to say, no, my mind is the mind of Christ. And I can't afford to have any thought in my mind that is not in his heart or his mind towards me. So if I'm feeling negative about myself, I need to reject that, shovel that out, and put the truth of God in my heart. And when I step on his truth and bumps on his truth, I begin to get elevated, higher than my circumstances. I begin to be like a helium, like I'm moving up. I begin to float over the situations and go into a new realm that wasn't there called hope. Call encouragement, call life, call eternal. And we see things in the background that God has already called us victory over and triumph. And the things that used to imprison us no longer imprison us anymore. In fact, Jesus Christ holds them prisoners. The lie of limitation, he holds prison because he gave you his life. Let me close and pray for you. It's going to be a little different.
But I believe that just like how Sandy family received healing through spiritual renewal, through being born again, I believe that there might be a person here. Now you don't gotta raise your hand, you're gonna do all that stuff, but I don't want you to leave this building with believers, I mean, believing for you, believing that Jesus Christ died for you, for you to have a new relationship. I also feel that there might be people right now in this quiet time that need to reject some lies, that live it in your spirit. You say, I reject that. I reject that. And I'm believing this about myself. I believe that I'm blessed, that I'm whole, that I'm healed, that I'm delivered, that my relationships are blessed, that my mind is blessed, that I'm not tormented or afflicted. I don't give no room to the enemy anymore like what Nikki said. The, the serpents and the attacks that will come in, they divert now because the angels of the Lord are in camp around me. I'm believing that arthritis, I just declare right now if you go to and have an arthritis, I declare arthritis is being removed, especially in the right hand. And I'm going to have an artist in the right hand. I declare right now that the healing power, issues with the right hand in particular, that the healing power is coming to you and falling on you, on your right hand and your joints. Father, I declare right now that your people are being freed from the deception of fear and lack and prosperity is flowing and carrying it like a wave of grace in them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for these people. Before we go, we bless them with the peace of God. We thank you for the encounters that you brought them in today. May they share their encounters with others. And may you continue to do and do again what you've started here, a journey tonight. Do it in your homes, do it in your businesses, do it in your relationships, do it in your finance, Lord. Make you be the king and Lord. They might know you as Savior, but you might not be Lord. So bring them into the Lordship of your Son, Jesus. In Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap. I'm going to do something different because we're going to close with offering. Sorry, I, I'm a good pastor, but I, I bad at this part. I'm good at taking care of God's finances and all that different stuff. My wife just rolled her eyes to me. Did you see that? And we in church. Can you believe that? But, um, Nick, I know you don't know your three-piece suit on today, but the Lord still loves you. Look like he went down for We have um, offering, and we have envelopes, so that don't feel no way we'll get handled the envelopes. And, if this is not your home church, we didn't expect you to give tithes, but if God has blessed you, has encountered, just give an offering, a seed. Um, one of the things that I break in my life is greed, and I'm always going to be a generous giver. And every time I give, God always <laughs> give back. I, can't I get discount flights, I get favor from people, I get dinners being paid for me, all because we just keep on believing that it's not my job or the money in my bank that make me who I am. It is Jesus. And I'm a good, good, he's a good, good father. And I try to be a good, good son. So as you give, I just want to thank you in advance for your giving. And if you, one of those people like myself who like to give to the bank account before you come, you can go to online banking, CMB or Butterfield Journey. Just like how you pay CUSA, say, Jesus love you. Put in a narration, Jesus love you and give. Thank you, Lord Jesus.